I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today in history, in 1910, the U.S. Senate grants ex-president Teddy Roosevelt an annual pension of $10,000 USD. Now, I have already done the math, for those of you wondering, and in today's purchasing power, that is about... $298,648.50. Because let's not forget, which doesn't seem like a whole lot of fucking money for being a president. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your host, Zachary. That's right, nothing fun this time. I'm just here, ready to do my job. Just kidding, I am your captain, Zachary, and I will be taking your (laughs) ship, sending your crew overboard, and sailing away into the sunset as you marvel at the glorious sight of the best podcast pirate you've ever seen. (laughs) We usually try to stay so composed during intros, but I think that one warranted a few smiles. Yes! I was so ready. I was just like, all right, I guess he's done. It's my turn. And then I just like, I imagine the force of you talking just like blew my face skin back. Oh, that entire thing happened as if Zach popped up in front of me in real life. I rocked back so hard in my chair. (laughs) I am not lying. I I pushed away from my desk and like hunkered down, like rolled my shoulders forward and tensed every muscle in my body as I fucking full goblin, full podcast pirated it. (laughs) Full podcast goblin. Yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, I guess after that. my name is Megan, and uh, I have been called an elder emo, and I have never been more flattered in my whole life. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that any flags that had been placed on the moon, if the moon landing did in fact happen, would be bleached white now, making it look like the French are the only ones who have landed on and surrendered from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they're surrendering, like, to the moon that they yeah, landed yeah, yeah, there, yeah. and they're like, this is really big, They got They scared. got threatened by something, like, one of the them tripped men. on the moon, and it's like, I give up! I give up, <laughs> nothing happened, Jean-Paul. Uh, and they're like, ah, oh, but even here, when gravity is not strong, I still succumb to it. <laughs> <laughs> the gravity of this planet is too much, I give up. The gravity oh, oh, no, we surrender to like... the cosmos! <laughs> I surrender to the cosmos in general. I hate everything about it. (laughs) Thanks, I hate it. I I think that's what what happened when the French got there. Have the French landed on the I do not believe they have, but because the white flag of surrender now flies on the moon. Close enough. Uh, no, no, I, I understand the joke. I'm, I'm well aware of the joke. No, 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 Megan. I'm getting into the facts. It's not just a joke. Okay. It's a fact. 
So what you're telling me is Neil Armstrong is now French? Yes. Was Neil? <laughs> no! By association. I read French something while, while I was learning this fact, though. I read something that was like, well, what? Is, is America going to pay NASA to go up there and replace the flag? And someone yes. was like, that is aggressively American and something that we would absolutely do. <laughs> We would spend billions to put a new flag on the moon every time it bleached white. Honestly, the American government would spend any amount of money on anything else other than health Hey, if you had that on your bingo card, fucking check it off real early. (laughs) (laughs) We're going hard right out of the fucking gate. They're like, hey... We have a billion dollars. What should we do with it? And someone was to like, the moon. fund healthcare. To the moon. And they're like, no, go to the moon again. Yeah. Uh, Zach, if One any if, if any evidence was needed of us going hard tonight, it's yeah. your fucking intro. You know, you make a point there. You make a point uh, there. All right. Listen here, you rambunctious little shit. The strikes have been set to zero except mine, which is one because I made a terrible joke before the podcast. And maybe, yeah. just maybe, I'll make it again mm-hmm. for you all and get a second strike. Uh, rock, paper, scissors has been played, and the order for tonight is Zach, followed by Megan, followed by me. Yes, you. indubitably. Now, my intro was a little uh, aggressive. Well, it was aggressive, and I'm not going to lie. It had One very little to do with my story for once. Sexually frustrating? Sexually charged. It was. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Which has led to me being charged. sexually frustrated. Ah, uh, yes. The age-old problem. Which led to me being sexually confused, I suppose. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was time for my intro. Something about <laughs> I don't Newton's know if that makes first... you sexually confused, Megan. I think it just makes you <laughs> generally confused. I think we have uh, well, I guess... just gone through Newton's laws of sexual attraction, but we're just gonna, you know, I need deal that, with that book. Another time. I, I need the book of Newton's laws Newton's of sexual laws. attraction. Dude, Can I, maybe maybe I'll make that gift tomorrow. Please do. Newton's, uh, laws, Newton's laws, of laws of sexual attraction. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm losing it. Um, We're all losing it. We're already lost, baby boy. So my opening had very little, but still something to do with the, uh, my story, but mostly it was just because I'm excited for the possibility of privateering to become legal in the United States. I will be putting a crew together just saying, however, is grandpa going to tell a story about pirates? No, I'm going to talk. Am I going to be on the crew? Yeah, you can be on the crew. Okay. All of our podcast f- friends and listeners, if you support us, you could be on my pirate crew. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not talking about pirates today. I am talking about Robert Smalls today. Robert Smalls. That sounds like a pirate. Yes, but Robert Smalls began his life on April 5th, 1839, where he begins his life as a slave on the McKee Plantation. Hmm. Yeah, we're this this story doesn't exactly get a happy beginning, but I promise it gets good. Does it get a happy ending? But um, um, I am I'm ignoring that. <laughs> oh come on! Mm. The sexy we boy can't... himself is ignoring an innuendo. Um, I feel innuendo. Like you're anyway, not 
stuff. <laughs> so now, when Robert was younger, he was a little bit more favored than the other slave children, and that was because his father may have very well been the plantation owner himself, or the plantation owner's son, or the plantation manager. No one is actually sure who's Robert, who Robert's dad was, but it made a little things a little bit easier for him. Which could be anyone. I was going to say, I know that sounds like I'm really undercutting the horrors that is the institution of slavery that this country did. And I am saying it's easier, but that is extremely relative. Well, I mean, was, yeah, so, okay. yeah, it's not great. Yeah. But if it's you not happen great. to be the son of the plantation owner slash plantation owner's son slash plantation I mean, manager, it just, you get. You get whipped a little bit less. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's Your still not great, exists. guys. Let's be yeah. honest. Slavery I was, was say. slavery was a stain on this nation's so, so pure legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Trail Anywho. of Tears who? Oh, gosh. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, he was still a human literally owned by another human treated like a piece of property rather than a living person. And that's bullshit, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. So, Robert, in his teen years, he gets sent out to Charleston, South Carolina, because his mother is like, you can't really treat him better than the other boys. It's making me look bad. It's making him look bad. It's making everybody hate him. Just go send him to the town and have him do stuff there. So he gets sent to Charleston, South Carolina to be rented out for work there. That sentence just makes me, my skin crawl. Yeah, anyway. no, everything about this story is a yuckums for sure. Yes, big yuckums. Big yuckums energy. Um, so he tries a number of jobs and he learns a lot of different things. He is a quick learner. He's a very smart man. Uh, but most importantly, he becomes very educated about the water and the docks of Charleston, South Carolina. And at the age of 19, Robert gets a job on the USS Planter, a steamer ship that is operated out of Charleston's port. Uh, on this ship, he also meets his wife, and they would eventually have two children, but they're all still slaves, and that really fucking sucks. So, yeah, but at least he found a little bit of happiness. Exactly. And he worked really hard for everything. I mean, I say that and that sounds really shitty, but like he was a very smart person and he did his best to learn a lot of things. Uh, and at one point he actually goes to the owners of his wife and is like, I want to buy out my wife's contract. I want to, you know, buy out. Can you imagine? Like, what a horrible. Yeah. No, it's. You know what? I don't know why I'm saying that this is any different from, like, hi, I'd like to have your daughter's hand in marriage. Um, okay, well, how much is the dowry? Yeah, but it's, a, I mean, it's kind hey, of a little... I know it's a little... Let's yeah. just say that a lot of Both archaic shit has happened yes. in our country, and uh, we're happy. we're cows. happy that the world is... I can't even say it's better, because racism is still alive and well in America. It's not better. Nothing, Nothing is, better. is better. Anyway, please continue with your story, Zach. I really took us on a horrible um, downward spiral. That's okay. You're welcome, everyone. But you're yeah, welcome, basically, listeners. yeah, right. You're welcome for your depression. <laughs> um, so we. That's why I'm here. He, he tries to buy out his wife's contract, and the owners give him a ridiculous number of eight hundred dollars, oh and that God. is in eighteen sixty-two money, which that's I didn't oh, do the math, like, but it's a lot. That's insane, though. Mostly because at this point, Robert Smalls has $100 to his name. Well, I, yeah, that's what I'm, like, 
first of all, he's a slave, so he's getting yeah. paid not at all, really. Nothing. Yeah, really. Probably just... like a nickel a day, if anything. Yeah. So the fact that he has $100 to his name is incredible, first of all. Mm-hmm. I'll do the math for us really quick, Zach. What was the, um, if you keep telling your story, what was the name, uh, what was the year? 1862. Sorry. Okay. And the total was $800. $800. So he tries to buy out his wife's contract and the owners give him the worst fucking number ever. And it's this ridiculous number. And so life Holy continues shit. on. What? It's $22,472 in today's money. Yep. So twice as much, more than twice as much that I paid for my car. Wow. I mean, yeah. And like when you're not getting paid, like you don't have that much money knocking around. Exactly. So as I mentioned, it is 1862. And at this point, that means the Civil War is in full swing. And South Carolina is on the border of the North and South. It is a very big and important point. So the Union Navy has set up a blockade around the Atlantic, forcing the Confederates to hunker down in Charleston, right where one Robert Smalls lives. So every day he and his family see the promise of freedom on the horizon as they work on the steamer ship that sits in the bay, which is really fucking shitty. But this steamer ship, like basically its job is to take supplies to different forts along the coast and basically supply stuff to Confederate forts. So on the night of May 12th, 1862, the captain of the USS Planter, one C.J. Rayla, yeah, I think I'm saying that right, R-E- It doesn't matter. He's a fucking slave owner person Yes, guy. so C.J. Rayla That's true. decides to leave the ship in order to visit family or grow and have a few drinks. It's never fully clarified why, um, but he goes and leaves the ship. And this is where the story gets interesting. Oh my god, he steals the ship. Because Smalls wasn't able to hold a rank, and because he was a slave, that well, he was not able to hold rank on the ship because he was a slave. But he was the one who steered the ship most of the damn time. So when the captain and the entire white crew took the night off and left the ship... Oh my god, he stole the ship. Oh my there was god. an opportunity... He's like, I took my chance. He took his chance. So Smalls rallies the entire crew of slaves and dons Captain Rayla's big straw hat that was very pronounced and known that Captain Rayla wore. Oh, And the men start the engine on the USS Planter and hoist the Confederate colors and leave the docks at 2 (laughs) a.m. He rolled stealth, right? Stealth and persuasion. He was like, yeah. He rolled persuasion first for the crew, and then he rolled deception yeah. for the ship. There's like yeah. a combined ship roll of deception, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to need you to make two rolls for me here. So here's the thing. For all of the D&D nerds out there, <laughs> it's even the only people better because he absolutely podcast. rolled a natural 20 on both of those. Yes. Amen, brother. So they start the engine, they leave the docks at 2 a.m., and then they carefully start your engines. They very carefully pick up all of Smalls' family, four other women, three men, and a child. There you go. So they load up this fucking boat along, so those people that I listed and seven of the crew, including Smalls. Yes. And then at 4.15 a.m., they pass Fort Johnson, no relation, which is a confederate, 
which is a Confederate fort in South Carolina, and Smalls blows the ship's whistle. Because, remember how I said that he steered the ship most of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. That also meant he knew every Confederate Navy signal. Oh. So he does the proper signaling to tell them that it were just a ship passing through, and does his best to not only do that, but stand, move, and act like Captain Rayla. Big straw hat apparently really helped because the bunch of Confederates see them, literally think it's an entire crew full of white dudes and Captain Rayla and let the ship pass. Yeah, but it's like middle of the night, too. So he probably had advantage on that deception check. Absolutely. They planned this in the right way. So then they head right for the Union blockade where they lower the Confederate colors and run up a white flag of truce. Now... Some guy, I can't remember the name, it's not really important, but basically some guy saw them change and the ship almost got hit with a, you know, blown up, but it didn't. And they end up getting received by the Union Navy and Smalls would then go on to unload everyone, help everyone get to freedom and decide to take that freedom and go kick some ass all while South Carolina puts a $4,000 bounty on his head. What's that in today's money? What it was four thousand dollars. Yeah, correct? yeah. One hundred and eleven thousand three hundred forty-five dollars and seventy-four. I love the Fuck emphasis yeah. that we're putting on ands now to remind <laughs> oh, yeah. people that change and. exists. Oh yeah, and. and 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 listen, it adds up. It does, it does add, add up. up. That's almost a quarter. <laughs> it's almost a fourth of a dollar. I love that Zach and Con. I said that at the exact same time. <laughs> it does add up. So when Smalls gets back and works with the Union, he helps start a program that helps recruit black soldiers that is later ad- later adopted by Abraham Lincoln. And not only by the time to- that, by the-, the time that Abraham Lincoln adopts this plan, Roberts himself, Ro- Robert Smalls himself has brought on 5,000 black soldiers to the Union Army. Oh, my God. He also God. returned to the planter after Congress refashioned the ship to be a Union Navy ship as the pilot, yes. where he participated he in it. 17 military actions and eventually would become the captain of the planter himself. Hey, oh, He is the captain now. Who's the captain now? <laughs> Just reminds me of that, the Captain Phillips. I'm the captain now. Pretty much. Yeah. After the war... Smalls then goes back to South Carolina and says, fuck you, I'm running for office, where he wins and ends up serving in the state assembly and Senate and then five non-consecutive terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Woo! Did he also find his former plantation owner and kick him directly in the ball sack? Oh, this is where it gets even better. Yes. Oh, yes. Robert Smalls dies on February How is that better? Wait for it. Okay. Robert Smalls dies in February of 1915 in the same house he was born in. Why? He bought the house? Ultimate fuck you. He purchased the house and land of his former masters. Yes. 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 So that was, he was like, you're like, it gets better. He dies. And I was like, wait. He was born in like 1800s. Yeah, he's going to be dead. But at the same time, it's awesome that he's like, yes, please. I'll take that house because fuck you. And you know what the best part of that that story is? Nobody knows his father's name, but we remember his. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, yep. I love that. 
But yes, that is the story of Robert Smalls, who was born a slave, stole a United States steam steamer boat, gained his freedom, went on to serve in the military, went on to serve in the United States Senate, bought his former master's house, and died a rare, very a hero. It's a hero fucking awesome. And a free man. Maybe a hero and a maybe free man. His dad's house. We can't really oh say. My God. That's a great story. I, I thought it was a little really bit. I, we needed some cheer in we, these in we our did trying need times. Some cheer, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, it's been a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Nowadays, all the cheer we can get. Exactly. Bring in the cheer wine. That is my story. <laughs> that is the story monster. of Robert Smalls, and I am so happy I got to tell it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. When you said Robert Smalls, I thought we were going for like more of an Italian gangster because it just seems like no, that would be no. Johnny Two Shoes. I was about to say uh, well, Mikey the Baba. That's a fucking <laughs> Italian mob name. Uh, no, but like, come on. Smalls okay, no. Feels all right, like... let's, all right. Okay, here, what? let's be what? honest. What? If it was yes. about a mobster, Zach would have started mm. his story in a much With different that way. That's and his intro would have been intro. all like New York Italian. My intro would have started. And I would have done my best thing called you on the entire time. I could have been a I contender. You come to me on the day of this podcast. We gotta march along here. My coworkers, <laughs> my coworkers in this podcast game have an early morning that they warned me about, so I have to. And do we're the podcast. not paying attention to it. I have to do the podcast ad thing and usher us along. Megan, tell us more yeah, about me. your story. Actually, first, right. start by telling us what you named yeah. your notes. Ooh, uh, yes. My my notes are entitled whatever you're paying that man it wasn't enough oh i mean that sounds like the story of our lives this sounds like an international yeah. tale of intrigue and capitalism oh uh, gone it... wrong so just uh, capitalism maybe i don't or just, yeah no, i don't know it's for sure. it's more of i read this story and i was like damn no one could pay me enough to do what this what these people do hey it's uh, a so living anyway <laughs> It, I don't know. Is it? You can, it's a doity you can job, judge but yourself. somebody's got to do it. Dude, I love Dirty Jobs. Dirty Jobs is I such a good show. Oh, such a good show. What a good show. Whatever they're anyway. paying that anyway. man, he needs more. Oh, they are. Dude, every time he goes to a job, he's just like, hi, I'm here. I don't know why my producers would do this to me. I understand I've been doing this for 400 years because that's how long Dirty Jobs has been on it the air. It certainly has. Anyway. So uh, I guess, like at the end of the story, you can tell me how how well my title fit into it, um, as I always let you guys do. Okay. 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 Uh, okay Megan. So so Megan, let's okay. just dive okay, in. Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Does that sound good for you? I need your writing in in. I need your consent in writing. Um, I am reading the uh, Christian Gray version of Fifty Shades. Of I mailed Grey. it to I you three days ago. For it. <sighs> Okay, amazing, amazing. I'm not Thank signing you. the NDA, um, but you please continue. <laughs> at least someone signed the contract. Now that we are living through uh, World War III, yeah. I think it's important to review some more aspects of the last WW. Are you, uh, that's you're in right. my fucking backyard again. I am here once more coming, <laughs> coming to you. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that Megan just gave off. I fully gave off the dad energy of being like, why are you in my yard? And Megan gave off the perfect kid who lost his ball in their yard energy. Just like, that's right. 
Yep, I'm here, I'm here. Again. what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm here again I'm here to get my more. ball out of your backyard. Well, I thought I was, like, giving off Bernie Sanders, like... <laughs> I'm once again <laughs> asking for your once money. Once again asking for your money. I'm, yeah, once again here in Matt's sandbox, bringing to you yet another story about World War II, the WW. Um, but unlike most of the other times, I am technically um, in... I am, I am, like, technically in my sandbox uh-huh. okay. tonight. Yeah, because I'm going to be talking about East Asia. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All okay. right. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. This here I am in your sandbox and my sandbox. Right. You got your sandbox sand- in my sandbox. One foot yeah, in are- each box. <laughs> each sandbox. So specifically, I'm going to be talking about the Japanese Imperial Army. Okay. Yeah. You could have uh, counted on me to yeah. never know this story existed. <laughs> okay, so so here we go. Now, Japan had really changed since the 1860s, thanks to the Meiji Restoration. Now, for, for those of you who don't know, the Meiji Restoration happened after Commodore Perry came knocking on Japan's door. Stop it! And he was just like, hello, hello, I'd like to trade. And the Japanese were like, no, thank you. We have really tried. We have a hedge. Please don't come over the hedge. We want to be left alone. And he was like, yeah, but have you seen my warships in Japan kind of like in home improvement, like peaked their eyes I was about to say, I'm just imagining Commodore Perry like Wilson in home improvement where it's just like the nose above the fucking fence. Do you want to see my warships? Yeah, he's like, hey, can I interest you in my warships? And they're like, no, thank you. He's like, oh, I'm going to interest you in my warships. You better open up and trade. And so they did. And Japan's like, Uh, yeah, they're like, Ugh. hey, if uh, you guys had um, Zach making the fucking home improvement sound on your bingo card, tick it off. That wasn't, that wasn't there. No one had that. No, I mean, he's no done it enough. It, it should be on the bingo card. I think it should I be Zach makes inappropriate but well timed noise. Uh, that well, one's kind of specific. Yeah, I'll go with though. that one. Yeah, okay, fine. I think it's less specific than home improvement noise, but okay, whatever. <laughs> Well, no, what I'm saying is, like, I think you've made the home improvement noise enough for it to have its own slot on the bingo card. Oh, okay. Or any time that you talk with a Kermit the Frog voice. Hi, old Kermit the Frog. Okay. (laughs) We knocked two of them out. We knocked two of them out. Megan, I'd like it if you just uh, continue your story, please. Thank you. Oh, I'm here for it. So, anyway, um, they they rapidly industrialize is what I'm saying. And, of course, in that industrialization, their army went from a bunch of traditional fighters to an army that could defeat literally Russia. Um, Hashtag bring bring back the Russian defeating Japanese army is what I'm saying. The Ukrainians are defeating the Russian army just fine on their own. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they they don't need our help. Please. No, they do need our um, help and our support. But no, they do need our help. They need our help and our support. But, <laughs> but what they're if doing we all right. Back they're doing okay. We believe in them, the but Russian it also helps to Japanese believe in them Army. with more bullets. Yeah, more. We're, what we're saying is more aid to Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on, shall we? So their army at this point could defeat a European power. Uh, they had modernized so quickly that when they were ready to go into World War One, they were responsible for helping to win the war. 
However, when they went to go reap the benefits during the Treaty of Versailles, they were treated like second-class global citizens by the Western nations, and they went back home with a really bad taste in their that, mouths. They're like, why did we do all that this That doesn't work? sound like something the uh, white <laughs> people would do. I know. That's no, so weird. So out of character. Um, it's not. <laughs> Cue the setup for World War II. <laughs> And now we have an enraged Germany, a bitter Japan, and a well-seasoned Italy who join together as the Well-seasoned? Everything in Italy is well-seasoned. Hey, you said it before me. Uh, I was like, how do I, what's a good adjective? You know what's really great is this is, this is going to pair so well with my story. Like oh, a fine good. wine in Italian foods. Yeah. Ayo. Oh, yeah. Ayo. So for Japan, World War II was tinged with fanaticism, right? This was due to uh, the Japanese government's promotion of Bushido culture, um, the code that the samurai had lived lived by, and it emphasized honor, courage, and self-sacrifice. It's why we saw a prevalence of kamikaze fighters and why Western soldiers feared going up the Japanese. Um, they, they fought with a divine vengeance, essentially. Gotcha. It's also why there were so many stories about Japanese soldiers who refused to stop fighting years after the conflict ended in September of 1945. Are you saying that the Japanese believed they had God and anime on their side? I am saying they had God and anime on their side, and it led to some pretty wild stories of soldiers holding I mean, See, I, I was going to go the opposite way and continue with our D&D theme and be like, so you're telling me they were all paladins? <laughs> paladin samurais could happen. Paladin samurais, I guess, could happen. Don't they have a samurai They do. Cl- it's a, not even a homebrew anymore. It's a fighter it's- subclass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already made for us, Zach. It's already here for us. All right, anyway, some Um, people holding out. So the reason um, for uh, these soldiers holding out was, one, like I said, Bushido, and two, the Japanese island hopped throughout the Pacific, and news of the surrender was slow to get all was slow to get to all of the units that were stationed everywhere. Communication sort of broke down after the surrender. So one of the first holdouts to surrender was a unit of 46 men on the island of Saipan, who finally called it quits in December of 1945. Now, remember, the Japanese surrendered in September. So it was a few months later. Just a few. Yeah, it was just a few. Not terrible. However, more holdouts made it to the late 40s. Oh. And 50s. <laughs> and beyond, with the most famous being a man named Hiro Onoda, who emerged from the Philippine jungle and gave himself up in 1974. Jeez. Imagine holding a grudge so he for was, that long. Yeah, dude, he was like, is the war over? But it's, it's, <laughs> not, even a, it's not even a grudge. It's literally like, no one's told me no to stop fighting, me. so I'm just doing my job. He just sees a white person on vacation and he shoots him. Yeah, no, like, because that's, that's your... That's, that's his fucked. job, I know, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's literally his job. He's like, repel so the invaders. They- the story behind um, Onoda was that he had served as an intelligence officer assigned to conduct guerrilla raids in the mountains of Lubang Island. Uh-huh. 
And he and three other soldiers had kept fighting years after the war had ended. And eventually news of the surrender reached them, but they refused to believe it. They thought it was like propaganda or like someone yelling Ollie Ollie Oxen free in a game of hide and seek. They thought it was the American government playing a trick on them. Uh, That doesn't sound like something the American government would do. No, not at all. It's not like we tried to trick Viet Cong soldiers into thinking there was ghosts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Woo! Yeah, we would never We'd do never. that. <laughs> we would never. We would never. Anyway. Hey, look me in the eyes. We would never. <laughs> uh, I can't. I can't look so, you in the eyes and say that. <laughs> You can't look me in the eyes and lie like that. So he explained that he had received an order, um, and if he could not carry it out, he would feel shame because he was very competitive as well. Okay. That was in uh, 2010 when he was interviewed. Um, Even when the Japanese government dropped flyers on the island that he was stationed on, pleading for him to come home, like, before he surrendered in 1974... Uh, he, like I said, he, he believed it was an American trick. Uh, and in the end, the Japanese government had to fly in Onoda's former commanding officer to personally beg him to give up. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> they were like, is this guy still alive? He's the only one this dude's gonna listen to. Like, Wait, so I, you said he was uh, out with three other of his compatriots did they also surrender at the same time as him or did they die before then it's unclear the story's mostly focused on hero onoda um it didn't really talk about his the three other officers and what their fates were uh-huh. unfortunately i i um, will say like there's some fucking commitment in that dude and in a world full of tinder where dudes can't commit to a relationship oh for more than two months. That's some fucking impressive commitment. Yeah, like, so that's always the thing. Like, I've seen this story a few times, and that's always what's very impressive to me. It's like, the war ended yeah. in 45. And he and, stayed like, on for 30 more years. Yeah. But the question that I have, I guess, and I'm sure that there's more to this story unless there isn't, but the question that I have... There's a little bit more. Is how, like, did he have enough supplies to last him 30 years? Did he have to, like, did he eventually no, go into was... a village to, like, buy more ammo? Like... So, he was, he 
was a specialist in guerrilla tactics and guerrilla raids. Right. So already he was trained as like a survivor. Yeah, so yeah. he was trained right. to be in to in in this situation. Yeah, for I a mean, long like I time. get that he was he was trained to do that, but like you don't make x number of rations last 30 fucking years no he probably no, hunted and and like yeah that's kind of survived kinda i guess i'm trying to figure out like to what extent did he yeah and i i'm the and this is me not knowing exactly what the rules are for guerrilla tactics right like i don't know if you get dropped in a jungle on uh, uh, a foreign island and you're like alright I'm here to conduct war but also I guess make friends with the locals <laughs> like do you think they'll help me I don't know what the rules are there yeah so like the basis of guerrilla warfare is just like a lot of surprise attacks surprise <laughs> attacks I'd imagine that there's an element of like they probably do get to know the locals and probably do get them to help but you said he was on the Philippines? Yeah, he was on a Philippine island. Yeah, so I don't imagine that, like... I'd imagine if he was getting any of the locals to help him, at one point one of them would be like, this dude's crazy, and we should definitely... Uh, well, well, yeah, avoid, he yeah. becomes like a local legend slash crazy To be person, fair, they probably right? helped him because the alternative is, like, him deciding to just kill them all break into their yeah. homes where it's it's one of those like, situations where i i mean i imagine that if i saw a person that was actively thinking they were in world war ii still i probably would active. not point out the fact that world war ii ended and we're in you know the war so nice we did it thrice <laughs> yeah it's like um it's 1973 it's over yeah that fucking scene from Ferris Bueller, like, it's over. Go, Go home. home. <laughs> it's over. It's why, over. why are Go you home. still He's here? Like, this, this is an American trick. Yeah. Especially uh, because it's Matthew so... Broderick's beautiful young face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Simba. <laughs> uh... um, so, uh, when his commanding officer, you know, went to, like, beg him to come home he did agree and he received a hero's welcome when he arrived back in japan which a uh, dude i cannot imagine like after being feral for like 30 years and then going back to 70s japan yeah how do you like, like get over that that's such culture know. shock like such that is a culture shock i that's a huge difference in in technology mm -hmm in like societal values like how long did he live after is he still alive now or how long did he live after the so he he gave an interview in 2010 which is when he was like hey i'm really competitive um i would have felt a lot of shame mm -hmm. yeah uh if if i had like given up but he died in 2014 mm. I was only I mean, thinking, like, so the thing that came to mind when you guys were talking about the cultural differences and, like, all that shit was just the scene from fucking uh, Shawshank Redemption where, uh, what's his name, Brooks gets out of prison and there are cars all of a sudden and he's just like, I don't think I can live in a world this fast. Yeah. 
and he I, just decides I don't to think end I his can life. Live in a world this... But I had forgotten that you mentioned yeah. he took uh, he did an interview in uh, twenty ten. Yeah, it was a quick thing. But yeah, I mean, he lived until two thousand fourteen. Um, you know, that's a pretty long time to live after after his eventual surrender. Now. Like I said, there have been, you know, there were other people who, uh, like, surrendered in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And there were people who did come forward after Anoda. Um, However, uh, their stories haven't been verified. Like, some of the holdouts are as late as 2005, but people are kind of like... I think that's probably bullshit. Yeah, they're like, we kind of can't prove. Yeah that you someone fucking stands up and goes yeah well i was hiding in the woods till 2005 and someone's like sit down frank you fucking idiot (laughs) yeah dude like this isn't about you we found this guy on an island we literally had to send his commanding officer out to find him yeah yeah like we we had to we had to dig this guy up we didn't even know if he existed your mom says that you just fell asleep on a friend's couch (laughs) You Stop. fantasized really your good. entire role in the war. Oh my god! That's so crazy. I guess like I wanted to do this story too because um, while it is real, it's it's wild, mm-hmm. uh, and it is an act of. He believed it was an act of courage, though, but it was like on a side that was considered an enemy, right? Like if this was an American soldier during World War II, we would have been like, wow, what a fucking hero. hero yeah. Right? yeah. Like side of the allies. But because it was an Axis power. Yeah. And and this guy held out for so long and he's considered a Japanese war hero for a war that was considered over and not done with. great, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, well not also great. it's World War it's World War II, and Japan was on the side of Germany. Yeah. It raises some interesting questions about, like, what what makes a hero, right? Yeah. Like, if Japan had won and we were 80 years removed from, from World War II, this dude would have been, like, a legend. Yeah. And he kind of is... Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be willing to live out in the jungle that long for any cause. Yeah, but not even if you were ultra competitive. No, uh, yeah, surprisingly no. Surprisingly <laughs> like, no. Nah. like I said, I guess competitive they did not has pay a different him meaning nowadays than it did back then. Maybe, but no, like I mean, I, I think the point that Megan is making is very compelling and very interesting. Like we. Heroes are defined by who is objectively who the is victor. saying it. Right. You know, like, and, yeah. you know, they have the saying that history is written by the victor. And I think that somehow heroes can transcend who wins and who loses. You can have a hero whether you win or lose the full thing because of someone doing something. You know, the question like I have after hearing you say that is who the fuck is victor? Oh, jeez. And that's a strike. <laughs> that's right, a fucking fine. strike. That is a Shit. strike. But no, that, like, that, yeah, that's what I was trying to get. Yeah, like, it, it is, it is like, amazing to see. No, I mean, like, I, fu- I fully understood the point. I'm just saying, you know. It Making do be jokes. crazy. Like, it is really crazy. Like, like even now, we're seeing how history is being twisted. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that any of us can fucking turn on the news and not look at that and be like, I wonder what they're going to say about that in, you know, 10 years' time. 
Like yeah. even if even if World War Three doesn't really last that long, or even if this doesn't end up being like a full blown war, well, which yeah. it doesn't look like it. I mean, not to you know make light of what's going on in Ukraine, but no, but the but the world is pretty mean. much unified in its hatred of the way that Russia is handling uh, this Everything. situation. <laughs> pointedly looking at you china yeah please maybe do more but it's um it's one of those things where like i will watch snippets of the news and be like i wonder what that's gonna look like in 10 years i wonder what that's yeah. gonna i wonder who's gonna say that this happened when it didn't or whatever mm-hmm. i can't wait to be a grandfather and have one of these fucking kids go grandpa what was world war three like one of these fucking kids. One of these kids. fucking kids. One of my fucking <laughs> progeny. God. Anyways. But that was my story. Yeah. Um, what a great so. story, though. I And I think that your ti- your Thanks. your uh, title aptly fits it. I, yeah, sure. I also oh, th- think so. Thank I you. think uh, they thank definitely you. needed to pay that guy more. They de- Whatever they were paying him. It wasn't him, enough. It wasn't enough. All right. I'm going to launch into my story now, if that's cool. Absolutely. Do it. I'm waiting. Friends and countrymen and wonderful, beautiful listeners. Today, I am bringing you the story of the Battle of Zappolino. Zappolino. This is a war that happened in the year of our Lord 1325 in Italy. Hey, Matt. I just, I have to ask Uh one thing real quickly. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We have had an entire episode entitled entitled italian hands you can feel can you just put a little bit of italian stank on at least one word i just to make me happy uh i can go back and do the you want me to do the zappolino with a little bit more yeah just a little bit of stank Hold just on, on that i'm just one gonna all right hang on i'll uh i'm getting my hand in the right position oof, uh oof. Okay. Oof. all right here we go oof. um today i bring you the story of the Battle of Zappolino. Thank Stop you. Me. Thank we, you. Okay. That's is what that I cool? needed. Yep. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, so this is a battle that happened in the year of our Lord 1325 in Italy. And it happened between the town of Bologna and Modena. 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 Yeah, there we go. Can you give me the razzle dazzle where the dazzle is doing? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll razzle and dazzle all up in this bitch only for Steve to tell us that I'm wrong. So the spaghetti bolognese army uh, ends <laughs> up totaling around thirty thousand soldiers uh, with two thousand cavaliers, and the okay. Modenese uh, only mustered around five thousand soldiers and two thousand cavaliers. And the Modenese also took lessons from uh, the Anakin Skywalker school of battle in that they ended up in the low ground. Oh, jeez. However. <laughs> I thought you meant they were going to murder children. Yeah, no, not not that severe. No, I thought they were I merely thought they were merely going to kill kids. Um, but it does turn out that the Spaghetti Bolognese had, in fact, underestimated the Modenese army's power. Uh, because after about an hour, the Modenese had the Bolognese on the run back to their city. This is just it's fucking, this is a lot of nays, and I'm surprised we don't have some mayonnaise to yeah. go with it. Oh, jeez. Um, a lot of nays, you're, ta- you're saying. Uh, watch me whip. 
watch me nay nays. Um, okay. And it's probably the Modenese, if I'm being honest. The Modenese took the opportunity to do a little bit of light property damage. Oh, okay. Lovely. Even when I was doing my research, it was described as, like, light property damage. Just and I just one window so they know who's boss. <laughs> I was literally picturing the scene in fucking uh, the Avengers Endgame or whichever one had the time heist part where they ask the Hulk to destroy some things and he just, like, <laughs> gently hits uh. a car and, like, flips something over and he's like, it just feels, it just feels so weird. Just feels it just, feels played yeah. out, and they like they basically do the same thing. They engage in a little bit of property damage, uh, and they they destroyed a sluice gate, uh, which helped Bologna supply. Oh, sorry, Bologna supply itself yeah, with fresh go. water. And even though they could have, the Modenese uh, decided not to destroy the city. Oh, which, okay. which was really nice of them. Um, instead, they decided to mock the Bolognese army uh, by holding an athletic event outside the gates. Um, and then they took their spiciest meatball because, <laughs> because it's a spaghetti Bolognese. Um, <laughs> no, they decide, to, uh, they decide to hold an athletic event outside the gates of the city and essentially mock the the Bolognese uh, people. And then they left, taking the honor of the Bolognese with them, as well as another bucket. The honor. And another, an, another bucket. bucket. Because what I failed to mention at the outset of my story is that the Battle of Zeppolino is more commonly referred to as the War of the Oaken Bucket. Okay, I, I am confused and uh, very... Around. Oh. No, uh, the your voice just had that slight uptick. I'm always aroused. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's sorry. my secret yeah, cap. Right. I'm always I'm always aroused. aroused. That's my secret. <laughs> um so the reason uh this particular battle started in the first place is because a group of Modenese soldiers snuck into the heart of the spaghetti bolognese and stole a spicy meatball. Uh, no, sorry, my notes are wrong. Um, they stole an oaken bucket, uh, uh that they okay. used to get water from the well in the center of town. Okay. That is so, where the significance of this bucket ends. So, these two people went to war. Uh-huh. Over a fucking bucket. Uh-huh. It was, like, it was not a bucket made from wood harvested from Noah's Ark. It was not a bucket made with gold inlay and fine craftsmanship. It was literally just an a, oak bucket. It was just an oaken bucket that they used to grab well water from the center of town. And what's really funny is that the fucking Modenese, when they left, took another bucket that was outside the city... Just for shits and grins. And just like, they were like, you know what? You started this fight over a fucking bucket. I guess we'll take two. We <laughs> dare you to do it again. They just, they okay, just took, they just took a bucket. They took a bucket that had absolutely no significance to anyone or anything. It made, it doesn't make sense. No, okay, okay. But it does make sense in the end. Because I don't know about you, but if someone... Like, if my Home Depot guy, 
yeah. listeners. Uh-huh. If my Home Depot man, he has a person. Oh yeah, guys. Shopper. Zach has a war raging with an old boomer from Home Depot. Home Depot. Oh yeah, yeah. The way that you started the story, Zach, I had forgotten about your war with the Home Depot man. Was I have a personal Home Depot sh- Depot secret shopper? Yep. Um, I've got a wood guy at the Home and, Depot. He could make me an yeah, oaken bucket, no problem. Guy. But like, if my Home Depot nemesis, guy, my Home Depot nemesis, if you will, decided to like and I be will. really petty about it, and like, I would definitely cut in line again, yeah, on purpose this time, and be like, yeah, I am fucking special. What are you gonna do about it? Mommy called me a special boy. Also, listeners, I'm sorry that you have no idea what the context of this story guys, is. Guys, the context of this story is that Zach unfortunately and unbeknownst to himself cut in line at a home depot and a boomer decided to care in all over him these are words that will make no sense in context or out of context to the fucking aliens that stumble on these recordings eventually but yes so someone slighted me after i did something on accident it was a slight on my honor if I ever come in contact with them again, I will be petty about it. And I think that that's the main point of this whole war thing that, is that really is they act. They, they took a bucket to get some water. Whoop de fucking do. An entire army was like, you took our bucket. We're going to have to kill you for that. And then they, they, just... they did not take the bucket to get water. They just took the bucket. Oh yeah. They were just like, this. Is they were just like, we're taking this bucket. Ooh, I like yeah, this bucket. bucket. I, that, okay, now I'm yeah. a little less and the, understanding. The it's the equivalent of going onto someone else's lawn and being like, "I love this lawn, Flamingo." Like, I, I have one, have at, one home, at home, but, but I, I will also yours. take yours. Um, so the Bolognese asked for the bucket back. They asked for it to be returned. The Modenese okay. said no, which led to war being declared. Okay, but like, why would you just not give the bucket back? Because they were being petty. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, they were being petty. I'm so glad people haven't changed. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like a lot of people say that, like, you know, the root of war is, you know, not having enough in the world. Yeah. Or, like, as a society. But really, Turns we, out we that buckets know, are the root of all evil. I was going to say that the root of all war and evil in the world is just pettiness. Pettiness, for Being sure. a little petty bitch. So so the Modanese won the war and got to leave with their honor a victory and an extra bucket. So is this really a war or is it a battle? So like, it was a battle. Um, so the greater context for this, they call it the War of the Oaken Bucket. But yeah. really, uh, the greater context for this this battle... Uh, was that these two places had been part of a greater conflict between the Guelphs. I don't know if I'm saying it wrong. I know... Uh, no, I lied. I know that I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> and I am waiting for Steve to send me a uh, a voice recording of him pronouncing it correctly. Um, okay. And then, uh, so it's the Guelphs and the Ghibellines, which, okay. again, I'm pronouncing it wrong. I wouldn't even know where to begin. But it's spelled G-U-E-L-P-H-S, so Guelphs. And the Ghibellines is spelled G-H-I-B-L-B-E-L-L-I-N-E-S. So, like, it's Ghibellines. Um, I think that when we do have Steve on this podcast, 
the it's entire just, episode. His, he should just be correcting it's, everything that we. Said. Well, that's what I was gonna yeah, say. Is I think everyone has to pick a story with a bunch of words and names oh, that are almost impronounceable, and, and just, just have him constantly interrupt us. Have him just, and it'll get old for the audience as it will get old for us. But like, no, Steve is. It has to be. Steve done. is a pro at this, and so I'm expecting him to to tell me where I fucked up. Because uh, I know I did. But as it so often happens, this conflict was housed, tucked up inside a greater uh, conflict between the Vatican and the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, of course. It's always the HRE in the Vatican. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, it's not even worth talking about the fact that it it happens all the time. Yeah. In fact, the uh, Guelph-Ghibelline conflict is the backdrop for Romeo and Juliet, who is, uh, which was written by a friend of the podcast, old Bill Shaky Staff. <laughs> Willie Shakes. <laughs> Willie Shakes. Willie Shakes. My boy, Willie, Willie Shakes. Spear. <laughs> he shook a spear, that's for sure. I mean, I was really more impressed by the fact that I decided in my notes to call him friend of the podcast. <laughs> I mean, he he's a friend to everyone, including the podcast. He, he definitely could be. Um, He's one of those friends, though, that you hate when you first meet him, but he grows on you. He grows on you, for sure. Because he's just making up nonsense words. That is true. That end up being a part of the lexicon later when he's an influencer. (laughs) I was talking to someone the other day that was like, what if you had um, Ralph Waldo Emerson in a room and William Shakespeare, and they're both just making up words at each other? Yeah, I would love that. I would pay to see that as a TV show. you... You think you would love it until no one can understand what either of them are saying, but they both understand each other somehow. Okay, so what you're saying is reading the entirety of A Clockwork Orange. Understood. When the AI gains sentience. It is literally like two AIs gaining sentience. At the same time, and you just reset them. At the same time. Uh, but But again, have you read A Clockwork Orange? I have not. I haven't. And now that you've said it, I don't think I want to. It's basically like I'm 90% of the entire book is just a made-up slang language that they don't teach oh, you, no. and you just have to learn as you read it. See, oh, no. I'm reading a book right now that's, like, nice enough to have a glossary in the back so that when oh, you no, don't this... understand things, it's like, this is what that word means, but it also, in the chapters where it uses words you've never heard before, goes, yeah, that's what that means. See, that's really kind. I wish like there were there were history stories like that. Like you're reading and it's like, hey, here's an appendix on how to say all of these. Here's words. an appendix on how to say gilf right, because now it just sounds like you're saying <laughs> grandma you'd like to fuck. Yeah, like okay. just to give yeah, you an example, true. because I'm very adamant about this and I'm, it's gonna bother me. An excerpt from A Clockwork Orange. Our pockets were full of deng, so there was no real need from the point of view of crasting any more pretty Polly to tall chalk some old Vec in an alley and viddy him swim in his blood while we counted the takings and divided by four. Yeah, I'm not gonna... do that the ultra-violent on some shivering, starry, gray-haired... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not gonna read that book. I mean, like... I can get the context, right? But that's only based off of, like, the words I know. Yeah. All the words that you said that are made up. I was just like, all right, I guess that might mean so, this. Man, makes me so happy I'm just reading uh, 
Fifty Shades. I oh, so fuck when? Off. <laughs> I, say exactly. I have I have <laughs> I one just... more sentence in my notes, and it's by far one of my favorite yeah. sentences that I've okay. ever written. Please. Um, please. when the war ended, Modena returned some portions of land that it had won from the Bolognese, and mm-hmm. it returned exactly zero buckets. <laughs> Okay, but I love that. Exactly they no they decided buckets. to keep the bucket for themselves uh, for themselves, and they displayed it in a museum. <laughs> I don't know if that's better or it would have been even better and more petty to give them back the land and then just on the throne in the castle, it's just a bucket it's just sitting a bucket. there. It would have... It, uh, no, I think it... As uh, Indies, Indiana Jones would say, it belongs it in belongs a museum. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> You're right. You're so right. That's that's my story, and I'm glad that we did go down and a little bit of a lit- literary rabbit hole. Yeah, sometimes I you really, need a little. I wish that we started wars over buckets now instead of the freedom of entire. <laughs> yeah, back to the bucket wars. Back bucket to the bucket war. wars. Bucket war. But I mean, the good news is that you know a much stronger force was defeated by a much smaller force. Yeah. I mean, yeah, those are good. I'll which is that. like we're I seeing like that those. parallel now, which is nice. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There just needs to be more buckets. We just need more buckets. The bucket ratio is. The bucket off. ratio is super off. But I also love that the Ukrainians are like the farmers are just stealing tanks. <laughs> like my favorite thing. Really. That's the petty that we need right now is like a farmer oh, just God. taking time out of his busy day to just steal a tank. He's like, hey, when I'm not growing food to sustain this great nation, I'm stealing tanks I'm to stealing sustain this great, this great nation. nation. Yeah, I read a yeah. I read a meme the other day that was like, at this point, because of all the farmers out there, it's safe to say that most of the military supplies for the Ukrainian defense have come from Russia. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. God. So anyways. But that was good, guys. That, that yeah. was, yeah, that was definitely good. I'm going to... Um, Thanks for your story. I'm going to turn the lights off in the studio in a minute, but I know you guys have uh-huh. a uh, have an early morning, so if you guys want to just head out now, I'll, I'll address the audience myself. Oh, th- thanks. Because I, I have... Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, say hi to your moms for me. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, audience, I have a matter of dire importance that I need to bring to your attention, and I know we're running only a scooch, uh, a scooch late here, but uh, it's important that we get all the facts right here. Um, it has been brought to my attention that in a previous episode of this esteemed podcast that we all listen to, Oscar-winning, Emmy-nominated, we'll get it one day, boys. We referred to Steve, who is our good friend, as the pun police. I need you to understand that we spoke in error when we said that. He is not, in fact, the police of puns. He would he would be the pun slinger if he could be anything at all. Uh, he would just let his pun flag fly. He would just be shooting puns off left and right if he could. So for us to hold this man in such high regard and then to to misname him in such a way just felt wrong um but you know we we make mistakes and we can only hope for steve's forgiveness this bit has gone on far too long and i would like to bid you all a fond farewell by saying 
What the fuck, history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at Triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore Triumvirate underscore productions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.